Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to Showing Up, a podcast about people. I'm your host, Jerry Sander. This is the first podcast of the second season. You may have noticed there is a period of time in between our last podcast and this one. And I'll be talking about that today. Today, I have a very special guest, someone who has not ever been on the show as a guest. And I'll be interviewing him, that person being me, Jerry Sander, will be our guest. Jerry is the author of the most recently published, what does he call it, an episodic memoir of growing up on Long Island in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, the book is called The Guyland. The Guyland. The Guyland. And it's on uh, Amazon in paperback and for your Kindle. And we'll be talking with me about this. Yes, it might strike you as the ultimate indulgence, but... I realize I have, in all these podcasts, never done a solo podcast. A lot of people do solo podcasts about opening up packages that they just got from Amazon and looking at features of the new phone and stuff. So hopefully mine will shed some light on why we haven't heard from showing up in a long time. All right, now to our guest. Jerry, welcome to Showing Up. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really wonderful. So for a podcast called Showing Up, uh, I don't mean to be confrontational here, but you haven't shown up. There's well, been I no think, showing up. Yeah. I th okay, the last episode I see before this one was called Dancing Around the Truth, and it was... Uh, it was pretty good. It was an interview with someone who had a family history. It was involved dancing around the truth. But it was October 11th, 2021. That is almost a year off. Are you well rested? Um, how do you explain a year off? And why should your army of loyal listeners come back? Have they not moved on to other people who actually show up. Yeah, well, I'm always impressed that anyone listens to pretty much anyone else who they don't have to listen to. So thank you, and I'm grateful. Here's what happened. The end of 2021, pretty much around the time of my last podcast, my mother passed away. She had been not doing well for a long time, and it created a situation where I really had to take a number of trips down to Durham, North Carolina, back and forth, uh, and look in on my stepfather, who also passed away about six or seven months later. And I was left in the position of being an executor to that and having to go through and put together really not one but two lives worth of financial details and all kinds of things. If you've ever been an executor, you know that it is a full-time job and a half and you can't get it wrong. It calls on all sorts of organizational skills that I am not great at. It's not my uh, strongest point. So I could not do the podcast 
um, at that time. I did keep going with another podcast. I made a commitment to uh, Love Work, Skills for a Relational Life. I did that with Christy Gaysford of Utah. We do Essential Relational Skills Boot Camp Weekends. And that helped me uh, remember that I couldn't just kind of crawl into a podcast mm-hmm. ball and blow it all off. But doing I this it, myself and going out and seeking new guests when I was feeling not like really doing that just didn't seem like the greatest of ideas. So I took, I guess I took almost a year off. All right. So um, why did you set this memoir on Long Island? Well, that's where I grew up. Long Island of was course. my home. So when you when you think of Long Island, what are the first things that come to mind uh, to the, you? The beach, the bagels, the uh, Long Island Expressway, um, a lot, the water, the water. Now, I've met other people from Long Island before who do, in fact, they're capable of calling it Long Island. Um, isn't it kind of stereotyping and maybe maybe a little bit offensive to suggest that people call it Long Island, like lawn that you mow, and then Guyland? I mean, isn't that a little too much? Okay, I think I get where you're going here. Um, there's different kind of regionalisms within Long Island. And during the years that I grew up there, one of the things that happened were more people came to eastern Suffolk County or central Suffolk County where I grew up from Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx. And they brought with them a New York City accent that wasn't really um, a local, local Long Island accent. And so that's why you got the Long Island, Long Island. Um, Yes, there were people who said Long Island, like Ricky came from Long Island. I did hear it. Um, Not everyone spoke that way. It's no sort of... um, vicious thing to point out that some people say Long Island uh, was more common when when I went to college and went around the country um, Long Long, (laughs) now you got me doing it Jerry Long Islanders would recognize each other by saying uh, they're from the island or the Guyland that's where I got the title in my book the Guyland Long Island Um, it wasn't a stretch for me and I did hear people speak this way right and why should we care about Long Island? In fact, why should we care about anyone's memoir? You know, that's a very interesting point. I don't know that we really do or should. I mean, there's celebrity memoirs, and I know that in order to get your memoir published by a large publishing company, you need to have your arm be bit off by a shark or be the victim of some terrible family abuse or crime, or the survivor or a close relative of someone who had their arm bit off. Or, and these don't really apply. So I wanted to write a memoir about a boy. Honestly, how does a nice boy become the beginnings of a man? What were the things that shaped me mm-hmm. in my family, in my culture at that time? And uh, hmm. how did it go? I wanted to end it at age 18 and have it be just a beginning. Well, okay. So what does a memoir have to do with what's happening now 
in a person's life at all. Uh, why should anyone read about the past or even dwell on their own past too much when there's so much that's challenging and kind of energetically presenting itself in the present? Aren't people who write memoirs just self-indulgent to the nth level? Like being a... um, I think the only reason to read a memoir or write a memoir is to learn something about yourself, is to either remember something about that time, to connect with someone else's version of that time, uh, to have some resonance like this really happened and it actually has significance for how I became who I became and it's part of me looking at who do I want to be for my remaining years. Okay. It's important. The past actually really matters. I think it was William Faulkner who said the past is not over. In fact, it's not even really the past. So what are the bullet points takeaways from uh, age uh, zero to age how 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 much is covered in your book? Uh, pretty much from age three or four up to okay, high school. So what are the bullet point takeaways? Um, I've never really thought of it that way. That strikes me as a uh, kind of a very superficial question. But um, the answer would have to include the fact that Long Island has the best pizza. Um, I've lived all over the country. Long Island has the best pizza. And those of us who grew up on Long Island know it. And uh, that's that's definitely a bullet point. I would say another bullet point has to do with the fact that the way that teenage boys and teenage girls at the time grew up to regard things was different. It was, there was another great quote I love the uh, the past is a foreign country they do things differently there we did things differently there and entire frameworks of the way you thought about sex music your parents society war all was in flux everything felt like it was changing okay I'm not sure what was in the bullet points Um, bullet point uh, everything was changing Uh, bullet point all things were possible bullet point deep insecurity about being a teenager what kind of adult male am I supposed to turn into bullet point uh, divorce family divorce that was not spoken about but happened bullet point the redemptive power of rock music bullet point the redemptive power of music non-rock music, bullet point, God bless my piano teacher, Miss Lillian Ketchum, and read the book, you'll find out. And why, oh why, can you call it a memoir when you stopped at age 18 or 19? I mean, really? Yeah, I understand your skepticism, but something's... This is the hugest time of change in life, is say between age five and age 19, 20. There's not as much change between a 30-year-old and a 42-year-old. This was an immense time of change for me in the way I saw the world. And I 
thought this was the perfect length for it. 17 short stories that cover between age about five and about age 19. I couldn't imagine it being any different size than that. And I'm very pleased with the way it turned out. Okay. How did you begin putting this stuff in chronological order? How do you begin? I mean, no offense, but you're getting on in years and these years that you're looking back at they're like 50 years ago how do you how do you get it right well i'm not sure we ever get it right jerry uh, i think we don't experience our lives in direct chronological order i think that was the success of that tv show this is us showed that we remember our lives in moments out of order and we remember compelling things. So I went back and remembered compelling things and then worked backwards from there. Like, what grade could that have been? When was that? What records were playing on the AM radio then? Uh, eventually, so I sort of worked backwards instead of doing it chronologically. I went from important scenes or things that spoke to me and then figured out, when was that? And it also is not moment to moment from 5 to 18 because uh, I don't think anyone could sit through something like that. This is like selected moments. Thus, someone in my writer's group, when I said, I don't know what I'm writing here, said, you're writing an episodic memoir. So that's what it is. Now, I've read the book. It's a good book. I have read the book. In fact, I've written the book. And music is a big theme in this. Do you want to say anything about that? Why why music? Music to me has always seemed like magic. I still remember that, that moment in first grade. We had pianos in the classroom then, and most teachers in the elementary school level knew how to at least play a happy birthday on it. So this piano is this immense piece of furniture in the corner of a classroom that was had this air of mystery to it. And then they lift up the thing and reveal like 88 different keys, some of them white and black. And, you know, I don't know how, but the teacher sat down and would play something, pressing down the different keys in different ways. And a beautiful sound and vibration happened. And I was hooked. Whatever this magic was, count me in. And from then on, it was to listening to the Count Basie Orchestra do April in Paris and my father's homemade stereo. And I realized there's a whole other world that wasn't dependent on words and not even the actions of other people immediately around me. Just It was this world of its own that as I got older, I found I could enter and it would give me a great feeling of peace and belonging and that I could do it with others. And when rock music came around, I realized doing it with others, that kind of music was like powerful. And that's a large part of this book. Now, you mentioned there was one event coming up that was pushing you to finish the book even though you were taking a very long time to write the book. I, I spoke with someone, we're not going to use the tape here, but I spoke with someone from your writing group who said that she verified that 
They've been listening to some of these same stories from your book on and off every two weeks for almost two years. And, um, you know, sometimes they would improve and eventually they came together to be a book. Yeah, so the event is my 50th high school reunion. I, I can't believe those words even. 50th high school reunion is taking place this next week, week upcoming. So the, what is that, the third week of September? And that was my deadline. I want this book out there. So anyone from my class or anyone who went to Islip High School or anyone who was on Long Island between 1968 and 72 or anyone who went to Suburban Jersey School at that time or Suburban Los Angeles School maybe, suburb, Suburbia, will be able to pick up this book, get it, and identify and smile about some of it. Okay, okay. So I noticed this is this memoir is extremely different type of writing from what you just did before that. Your book Convergence, which is kind of a dystopian, weird nightmare, apocalyptic stuff with religious fanatics and anti-religious fascistic conglomerates that replaced the United States of America, merged with Wall Street and a giant communication network called The Hive. Very different, very different kind of book. Yeah, well, um, in my view, what I was, first of all, I'll ignore that you said it was weird. Um, in my view, what I was writing about was pretty much reality, reality-based 2016 to 20. You can do the math and look at um, what was happening in the United States between 2016 and 20. And I was just putting the trends together. Um, corporations were doing things in some ways better than government, so it was logical that the government would go out of business and merge into a big tech corporation. There were ever-intrusive things into our minds and brains and simulated games and religious fanatics and angry reactions to religious fanatics. So I just wrote it like I saw it, and I had to set it a few years in the future. So in that book, the United States goes out of business in 2024, and um, something else comes in. I still love the book, and I wouldn't change a word of it. The book before that was yet a different kind of book. What, what was it called? Unlimited Calling, yeah. Certain yeah. Restrictions Apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Unlimited Calling. And then, of course, your first book, Permission Slips, um, was a wild ride that most people thought was exaggerated about what teenagers in the school system was like and residential treatment centers and psychiatrists. It was like just a little kind of over the top. So you had that over-the-top pure fiction that was about teenagers and adults, but it wasn't clear if that book was for teenagers or adults. Um, Then you had the book about the 10th grader uh, trying to learn math. I I don't know what to say about that. Uh, There was that part of that book where you went back to 10th grade math class as an author to sit there and try and try and learn something. You want to say anything about that? Yeah, so I want I wanted to accurately describe someone having to go to an after-school class to learn 10th grade math. And I, I asked the teacher if it was okay if I did that myself and sat there 
And I found myself, as she was explaining stuff, looking out the window, playing with my pencil, just intensely distracted. I looked over at the other, well, the other kids. I was a grown-up. I looked over at the kids, and one of them was drooling on his face down on the desk, dreaming, you know. And I just, it was great material for a, just one of my favorite chapters of that book was the after-school math class. And uh, it was really hard to typeset because I had to, to do like math problems, 10x over divided by this. But um, I, I have a real sweet spot for that book, Unlimited Calling, Certain Restrictions Apply. Uh, it, it's, it's a lovely one. And finally, that brings us up to date with 50 years ago, writing suddenly about 50 plus years ago. Uh, where uh, is there a Jerry Sanders style to his writing? Okay, you know, I've never been asked that. And uh, it's an interesting thing to consider. I suppose my style uh, centers around dialogue and things that people say, and you have to kind of intuit or read between the lines of what is really, what do they mean? Um, there's a difference between what people say and what is really going on and what they really mean. And I try to amplify that and let it give me some dramatic direction. I also amplify some of the excesses of our culture. I hopefully, I'm not making things up out of thin air, but I'm reflecting back some things that concern me and or seem absurd to me or seem or make our lives more difficult. And I try to point to a ray of light and hope in each of these books. Well, uh, welcome back to the world of podcasting. What are you actually going to show up uh, more for yourself and your audiences in terms of podcasting? And what do you have planned who who are you going to speak to? You're not going to do the solo thing again, are you? No, I, I may time to time do the solo thing. Uh, no disrespect intended. You know, you've been an excellent host. But um, I will probably seek out people with either unusual, unusual things that they do, unusual accomplishments, or interesting points of view. Um, I, I want to get some UFO enthusiasts on. Um, I do want to just find some regular people who intrigue me. And that's who I've always had on my podcast. So uh, that's that's the direction I'm going. During in. this whole pandemic thing in this time period that you've been doing 23 podcasts, have you increased your faith in people or has your faith in people decreased or remained the same? Okay, wow, what, what a question to throw at me. Um, I think there's evidence that there's reason to have good faith in people. I think you can focus your attention like a laser on the negative, dumb, awful things that are around us and that people are doing and find evidence to support a really negative view about other people. I choose to not go there and not put that in my head but I'm quick these days to blot out other people who have very negative um, or oppressive kind of points of view. I will, on social media, just block them. I don't care how many friends I lose. If I hear or see something like that, they weren't friends. So I, I, there's good, I choose to have a lot of faith in people. 
Well, I want to thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. It was fun. What a surprise. I want to wish you the best. Thank you. Uh, what are you writing now? What can we look forward to as the next book that apparently won't follow the rhythm of the other types of books? What is it? And do you have a title for it? Yeah, it's called A Working Project. I do not have the title yet. Um, but it's very much going to be funny. There's going to be a lot of dialogue. It's going to be skimming the surface of some of the aspects of our culture that are already superficial. So it may be a uber superficial satire comedy about instant uh, celebrityhood and fame and cult following and uh, all the things that so many people seem to want to or to want to watch about. Fascinating. Very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for showing up on the Showing Up podcast. And we will look forward to having you back, not as a guest, but as a host again. This is Jerry Sander. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again 